I back to work here discussing the vanquished in the second round. And let's begin with the Phoenix Suns. This has been a, a topic of conversation to some degree already, but let's really get into the nitty gritty of this Suns offseason after that 30 point loss. Um, I talked about this a little bit with Hollinger of just what the overall reaction to that should be because up until Sunday night, they were the favorites for the NBA championship this year. They won 64 games. They had home court in a game seven and uh, had been totally fine in the home games in that series. So before we get into it, DeAndre Aiden situation, all that, just how are you feeling about the team now? If you're James Jones, you feeling major surgery is required or is it let's just tweak around the margins here and we're, we got a really good team and we'll just be right in the mix next year as well. Beyond the 64 wins, the Suns were a fantastic clutch team. And that of course affects a lot of different elements of this, but they also had the league's best point differential. So this was not a circumstance where a team was totally, you know, ridiculous and it was they did they had this they outperformed their point differential by the sixth highest margin in the league and that's partially due to their clutch success a lot of it is due to that but they were still you know plus 8.5 cleaning the glass net rating this season next closest was plus 7.4 and plus 7 for boston and the jazz respectively and phoenix did not have perfect health this year a lot of their key players missed some time i think that a related question for james jones and and we get into this more often in the context of what does a teardown look Look like is what would major surgery look like? I do not think that the Suns are a perfect team, I, but I do like their foundation. B Booker has continued to ascend, and you had him as the number one shooting guard. I had him at number two, and he might be number one real soon on mine, just to, based on how everything's gone. We'll see how Harden's hamstring looks, and Mikhail Bridges, great complimentary piece, and he's growing his offensive game, probably always going to be more of a secondary complimentary guy there, but he can do that, and then they have Aiton, and they don't have a ton of defensive versatility, but they do have a lot of talent and that gets into the idea of what is major surgery they could do something involving deandre Ayton or do something involving chris paul but you still need that rim protector you still or if you're going to go with switching you still need a center who can do those things i think you still need another high level creator alongside booker and that could be a taller person it could be somebody a little bit more limited i think that the suns are in a you could call it a golden cage of sorts where they're so good that it's hard to upgrade yeah and if you look at the reasons why they weren't successful they weren't successful because they weren't able to beat dallas's defense in the end it wasn't necessarily switching all the time that was some of it but it, it was also just more pressure from dallas not a ton of spacing as well maybe not taking enough three-pointers so perhaps that's something that could be changed by a little bit different of an approach like they in theory have more of a spread pick and roll attack although chris paul is always going to be mostly a, a mid-range guy booker shot it better from three this year maybe he can ramp that up even more they weren't able to get enough at the basket a big part of their problem to me was just that DeAndre Ayton didn't play well enough. Part of that is maybe people got a little over their skis on him last playoffs because he had some easier matchups than the Mavs on both ends, frankly. And part of it might have just been he just had a bad series. Now, there have been talk that he's had some friction with the front office and that maybe they wanted he wants to move on or something along those lines. But a lot of the what the Suns' issues were is just the guys that they had, their tentpole players, 
just didn't play well enough. Chris Paul, obviously, is another one of those. Devin Booker and Chris Paul didn't score until the end. And so you're not, like, those are your guys, as you you started to say. Moving one of these guys, it's just to get something else, particularly Paul and Booker, I just, it doesn't really make sense. Like, you're not going to trade a star for somebody else. And Devin Booker is probably going to be uh, on a Supermax, as we'll talk about pretty soon here, too. And, you know, they could. So, so what are, I think that they're, you know, the fact that these guys like shooting the mid range or Aiton kind of didn't give you enough. I mean, I guess that's, that's the biggest thing you could point to is like, could they go to more of a five out versatile switching group than they had? I don't know that they can, particularly because, you know, Chris Paul got attacked defensively. That's something that finally somebody figured out that you could do. You know, everyone's like, oh, it's Chris Paul. He's really good. Let's just not even bother to attack him. Like, yeah, you're not going to post him up, but he's has short arms and he's, 36 like you might be able to go by him in space um but again like you're not necessarily going to fix that and so i suppose you could try to just move ayton and just get another really good wing in for him instead and just try to play in a more versatile way shoot more three-pointers switch more defensively or you could just say hey you know what like we're gonna just try and fix some of our smaller weaknesses like let's just bring in another big forward you know a jeff green type of guy so we could play Play five out on the second unit if we wanted to, or or even just Sharich coming back if you think that he can can do it. So we'll yeah, possibly. That. Although I, I think his his he's going to have some defensive limitations there. Sure. Um, but he, obviously they were extremely effective with him as the backup center last year. Depending on the matchup, just let's get a little bit more versatility, some little better ways to play campaign, particularly because he's so easy to attack defensively. Maybe we can get someone else in who can handle the ball, be a backup point guard, but also weighs more than 170 pounds. Let's make some small moves around the edges and just bring this team back, hopefully, as a contender again. And just hope that Chris Paul and Devin Booker and potentially DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges can take another step forward offensively. And that you just like everyone on this team should be able to improve, basically, except for Paul and just be really good again next year and let the chips fall fall where they may. I mean, that's probably what I would advocate. So I guess the next question, though, is let's talk about Ayton's situation. Well, and and let's get something else first. I, I have one of thing which is there could be intrigue from james jones and potentially from ownership because it might be cheaper that outside of chris paul and to a lesser extent jay crowder but he's a support player age doesn't matter as much for them the suns do have a foundation for a younger kind of a a younger maybe more malleable team where booker bridges cam johnson all those guys will be in their age 26 season next year if they consider eight and a part of this will be his age 24 season and you need somebody who can protect the rim in that group and you probably need somebody who can handle the ball. But if you really wanted to change gears, you could. The practical problem there is how do you actually do that? Because you have to find a team that is simultaneously interested in Chris Paul, can give you reasonable value for him. And Paul's contract is only partially guaranteed for 23-24 and fully non-guaranteed for the year after. Maybe that intrigues somebody, probably not. And as James Jones, I would sniff around that possibility, but I don't expect anything to materialize. And Aiton's pending restricted free agency is part of that. And I think the place to start with Aiton is actually not with Aiton himself, but with the overall financial picture for the Suns. And Phoenix has basically all of their other principals under a fully guaranteed contract for next year. Booker and Paul at the top of that, Mikhail Bridges signed his extension and everything else. And if you pencil in, and I'm not saying this has to be the number, but it's a good facsimile. If you pencil in DeAndre Ayton at at the 30.5 million, which is the projected 25% max, we don't know the actual number, but it's probably going to be around 122 for next year. Then you fill out the rest of the roster because they only have 10 guys on roster with minimums. The Suns would be 
15.7 million over the tax and that would lead to a tax bill of about 30 million dollars ah. exactly and so one way to reduce that bill would be to try to get deandre Ayton for less than his max and that is a possibility there are you know those that reporting earlier that expect Ayton. i think for those from sam mamick that expect Ayton to get a a full max contract and remember it just needs the, the thing that matters for this purpose is just where it starts if it's a three plus one offer sheet with somebody else it starts at the same number even if they're lower per season raises another way to reduce that burden would be to trade somebody who's under contract and Dario Saric is the logical preference there because they were able to be the league's best regular season team without him. Saric makes 9.2 million next year. Maybe you could find somebody who's interested. Maybe you don't get off that full money without including an asset, but maybe you could get somebody who's a little worse and a lot cheaper, something in that realm. And then the bill gets to, I don't know, let's call it 8 million or something like that. And then it's significantly more palatable. Now you're still in that circumstance, not using the tax pyramid level to actually add something. Remember that this iteration where the, the 15 million over the tax line, that is, not only adding no one, but that's not bringing back some of their lower end pending free agents. And so for the Suns to get better, if that is part of the goal, to add talent, I guess maybe put it that way, they're probably going to have to offload something to add some practically. Yeah. And in terms of the assets that they have available to do that, they don't really have any young players at this point in time. At least young players that they don't see as a part of their future. Like they could include yeah. Cam Johnson in something, but they shouldn't because Cam Johnson is a good basketball player who helps them. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so they don't have their pick this year. That's going to OKC number 30 in the Chris Paul trade. Probably pretty good. But they have all of their picks going forward. In addition to Sharich and his... 9.2 million they extended Landry Shamit 9.5 this year 10.3 next year probably given the fact that he barely played in the playoffs not a good investment there for a team that has tax concerns that's why we're critical of that extension to begin with they've got Tory Craig also who remember they traded for just to take him on he didn't really contribute very much struggle with an elbow injury he's got 5 million for next year campaign has 6 million for next year as well so that's probably about 30 million dollars there between those four guys and three of them i would say are pretty much expendable as far as your playoff rotation is concerned and pain they may be looking to upgrade that spot he was really good two years ago i guess i guess we can still call it last year but and i think he's an okay backup point guard but he showed these defensive limitations against dallas and might do so against some of these other teams that they're going to have to play next year, like the Clippers, who will be back, and Golden State. So maybe they want to upgrade at that backup point guard spot. I'm not sure exactly how they do that. So they but, may just have to but, keep him because they don't have a better option. But he struggled this year. 50% true shooting was not very good, obviously. So to so, jump in, in there, yeah. a challenge for James Jones is that they have all these players who are superfluous, but also, I would say, are not positive value on their contract. No. and But they could be matching salary if they're willing to throw in a couple of future draft picks, which I, given where they are as a team, I, I would do. And, and a reminder that the Phoenix Suns, since they have no future picks after this year, once the draft draft concludes phoenix can trade their 2023 first round pick without violating the stepion yeah. if they want to and what first round pick you would want from the phoenix suns is an open question i would prefer to push it out a little bit just because you don't know where this is going even though they have some very good young players and you're talking about if you are the recipient if you are the of, recipient of picks yes. from if you are the yeah. recipient trying to exert leverage there maybe you go after 25 and think that they'll have be a little bit worse than you probably don't want to go too far if there's a present value 
value circumstance here. And theoretically, the closest to even value would be Jay Crowder, but we saw Cam Johnson's defensive limitations, and they're not the same player. They also aren't mutually exclusive, probably don't want to play Crowder and Cam that much together, but a rotation needs to have enough capable forwards. We've seen them being in short supply over the years, and it's not like the Phoenix Suns have these ascendant players who can fill, if you clear somebody who's actually good, who can just fill that role in-house. That would need to be, maybe you can do better with the minimum. And we don't know what the functional, if there is one, functional line is that do not cross for how much the Suns can spend. And the luxury tax is not calculated until the end of the regular season, so Jones would have some time. But generally speaking, that's not the way teams with spending limits handle it. The Daryl Morey did it a couple times with the Rockets where they ducked the tax late, but generally speaking, Speaking. Owners who don't want to spend get a little bit queasy about it being on their being on their books and then wondering if they're going to get out of it. And that all goes back to Aiden because there are. Okay, well, can, can I say one more thing here before we, we talk Aiden? Um, just to, along the lines of these guys who they want to get off of potentially. I mean, you know, they could always just go for a stretch of Sharich or or Craig or something like that. But the idea of throwing in multiple future first round picks with some of these guys who are not great salary to try to get one of the available forwards, maybe Jeremy Grant, who will be very available. There's talk that he's going to go to Portland. Well, now that that late lottery pick in Portland is available. So would two future Suns picks be enough to get Jeremy Grant? And then, hey, also, then maybe you don't extend Cameron Johnson. And if he leaves in restricted free agency or sign and trade, that's okay because you, you got Jeremy Grant, who also can provide you with another possible initiator. Or Harrison Barnes probably isn't available, but, you know, maybe that's someone that you could look at yeah and, uh, and you know that or maybe would, to me would be a more cogent way to kind of accomplish a couple of these goals at once where you offload some salary you upgrade but you don't get more expensive yeah or maybe you could try to trade for old friend kelly Oubre or uh who actually kind of thrived with phoenix had some of the best years of his career to get you some supplemental scoring and, and some additional ability to pressure on on the perimeter and switch not that i love him the price for him would probably be much less but you know maybe it's a future first right round pick some of the this salary of guys who aren't probably going to be in your playoff rotation to get back someone who is in your playoff rotation we've seen many a trade along those lines also i might be interested in bringing in john wall as a buyout guy and let him be our your third guard replacing pain maybe that's something that they could think about as well or you know actually maybe a trade for I don't know, Mark, someone like Markel Fultz would be interesting if, if he's not in the Magic's plan anymore. Just someone with more size who can still dribble. Fultz can't really play off the ball. You're not going to get a perfect player at this point. But th- those are just some of the small ideas that I had. Or uh, Derek Rose, for example, is only has one year remaining guaranteed on his contract. Maybe you could bring him in to be your backup point guard. He's got a little bit more size and dynamism than Payne. Anyway, that, those are just a few ideas. Don't have to go through every single one of them. But now let's get to the Aiton question. We talked about how much he might be worth it just kind of in our mind what would be fair you know i was thinking his maximum just to reiterate that would be just shy of 180 million over five years wouldn't you don't have to worry about him being a designated player because this isn't an extension it's a free agent contract maybe his value has gone down a little bit it certainly seems more likely that they would let him leave but i'm just not sure what the deal is trading eight in a way that makes sense for these guys typically and i have a, a piece coming out kind of about this idea it's easier to make 
moves in the offseason because potential team like trade partners are more flexible and they could reimagine their roster. And so theoretically, if a team was interested in Nathan, but they already have a center, they could move that other center. There aren't that many teams that have cap space. There aren't that many teams that can do a sign. There's another group that can't really do a sign in trade because hard capping makes it unpalatable. You know, the teams that are over the tax are pretty damn close. And the bigger problem is actually not that it's how do you how as James Jones and the Suns how do you do something involving DeAndre Ayton that keeps you relevant right. for 22-23 because there could be teams that would like to have DeAndre Ayton but they don't want to pay him the salary he's going to get which is a mandatory part of this you can't get DeAndre Ayton at the minimum because he's not going to sign that contract and then to sacrifice resources on top of that for for a player who is young and good but is probably not ever going to be a superstar he's more of like a high you know like a, a very capable center and those are valuable around the league but is he you know autom- auto closing five as a se- I mean maybe possibly but I don't know that he's that on like a the best teams in the league he did very well last year and for for so for so for the other team it's like why are we giving up all of this to pay DeAndre Ayton a fair price this is not a circumstance where a player is so good that the max is actually underpaying and so you have to do that so there's a problem with the trade partner and then there's a problem with the Suns, which is why would we do this deal if it doesn't make us better if it doesn't give us all these other things so my inclination of what's going to happen there and we did a watfo on this is that Aiton ends up signing a contract with the Suns, but that they both sides intend to pursue this with an open mind and if enough if an opportunity presents itself that is advantageous and the Suns at that point would actually have the sole control over it because Aiton can't have a no trade or anything like that that they're trying to look out for a potential deal so he gets his money and then you figure something else out whether that is trade deadline in 23 2023 offseason or something like that yeah he's also kind of what makes this team special he's a very nice fit offensively with Devin Booker and Chris Paul as in theory one of the better role men and somebody who can get those quick post-ups convert quick hooks makes them difficult to guard in the mid-range he got better this year until the end of the Dallas series particularly offensively and there should be more room to grow there and that's maybe what a team would be interested in and let's say a team for whatever reason were so enamored of Aiton they wanted to pay him a really big contract and were willing to give up assets to do it what would be and they're so you're basically option door number one for the Suns is match a restricted free agent offer sheet on a three plus one for the max on Aiton door number two is agree not to match that and get something back in a sign and trade how much would you have to get back in a sign and trade to make it not worth matching just from the Suns perspective we talked already about why a potential shooter probably shouldn't want to do that but a lot of you know a lot of these GMs don't agree with us so what's your price for the Suns to not match basically is the question one path would be somebody who's definitely in your closing five we brought up Jeremy Grant as a potential trade target with the other players Grant would help the Suns right now you still have to solve the center spot but you could get something like it. so maybe something in that or from a draft compensation perspective not, I it wouldn't have it would to me have to be better than like late end first round picks because you can't really convert those into something that's going to help you especially because the Suns presumably 
probably in a sign-in trade, they would create some sort of trade exception, though DeAndre Ayton is base year compensation, so you're probably not creating a big one. Maybe you do it through matching salary and bring something else back that way, but even then, you run into some problems. So player who is clearly a part of your closing five, probably unless that's a really high-end player and some sort of low-end asset like a young player of interest or a future player. I think ultimately, to me, whatever it is, it would have to be something that I think could make us a better team in 2022-23. Agreed. Whatever whatever that is. The future assets, not really that interested. Probably not even that interested in getting future assets with the nebulous idea that we could make another move at the trade deadline or something. I get the argument that Aiton's skill set is somewhat replaceable, but he is a two-way center. And so those are hard to find. And yes, centers are less valuable and he's was unable to dominate on either end the way you would hope against Dallas, but he has been able to do that in certain other matchups. And I think he's a top 10 center in the league and one of the few that gives you something on both ends and is largely going to be able to close games for you. So it would take a lot for me to say we are a better team, a better playoff team without that guy. Like, I don't know if they're a better playoff team if they just get Jeremy Grant back for him and then get some center that you can't play at the end of games. You know, if they re-sign your JaVale type of guy or, or someone else along those lines, like JaVale probably isn't good enough defensively to play for you at the end of games in the playoffs. And Aiton at his best probably is against most opponents. So, because it's really with Chris Paul at the age that he is, it's really all about maximizing these next couple of years. And then maybe if Paul really falls off and isn't at an all NBA level anymore, next playoffs, then you can say, okay, maybe we'll have a little bit of a retrenchment or something. But retrenching around Aiton would be the idea, right? That he gets way better. The only thing I will say, though, is we don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes. It definitely seemed very bad. But they were at, of course, just their overall nadir as a franchise. And perhaps with time, there can be a rapprochement between the two. And that was my pronunciation there, by the way. Good. All right, thank you. And they could realize, really, that they all need each other. Or at least they could re-sign Aiton and then trade him later. And Aiton can get paid at that point. So I'm just... Unless it's just so bad behind the scenes that they're just like, fuck it, we got to get rid of this guy. You're you're almost definitely downgrading. Like, that yeah. And considering where I, they I mean, are, maybe they just think this guy sucks. Like he's just, he has such a bad attitude now. We can't, he'll patch things up with him. He's just never going to play hard for us again. We're just not going to be where we need to be with him. There's just no possibility we'll ever get there. So let's just get what we can for him now. Maybe, unless that's their thinking and they just have such a belief at this point based on behind the scenes that he's going to just be as shitty for them as he was those last couple of games going forward in his entire Phoenix tenure, then maybe you move him. But I, I just, that would seem like me to be an overreaction with the caveat that we don't know precisely how bad things were behind the scenes. The other big negotiation that the Phoenix Suns have, and it should be less complicated and fraught, is with Devin Booker, because Booker, it looks likely that he is going to make an All-NBA team. Those have not yet been announced. We got our rookie on Wednesday, but we haven't gotten those. But Booker finished fourth in the MVP voting, so it would be stunning if he did not make an All-NBA team. Thus, he will be eligible for a Supermax extension that would not kick in until the 24-25 season because Booker is under contract already for the coming season and the season after. So based on current projections, we don't have a real good cap number for that far out. We're looking at something around adding four new seasons and $211 million. So that would start about 47 in 24-25 and, and moving forward. The reason that Devin Booker would not, the primary reason he would not accept that would be if he wanted, you know, wanted an additional year. If you wait longer, 
you could theoretically get more time, but you're mitigating a ton of risk here as Booker. It's you're getting the 35% max, you're getting it early, and you know, two years before his next contract would kick in. As Phoenix, considering how great Devin Booker played, how much he has improved, I would make that offer. And if I were Devin Booker, I would accept it. And then if you at some point in this don't want to be a son anymore, we've seen players get out of places more that's that's the, the, the path now, that's the mode, and I would expect that to continue. I think so. And then what's more as the organization, you get him on that super max. He was so young too when he got drafted. That's the important thing. And it only goes out four years instead of five, which is nice as well. Now he may have a player option on the end of it. That that'll be probably a, a fight, although they managed to not get the player option for him on his first deal, but he's got a lot more leverage now, of course. So, we'll, so that's, Nate, that's incredible. So Booker wouldn't get if he gets this contract, the final year of it, whether it's an option or not, would be his age thirty one season. So this yeah. is not post-prime significant stuff. It's a huge benefit of coming into the league early. Yeah, and, and he's got some pretty good, and I think that's good. Like you definitely, as the Suns, I'd rather offer him that deal now and have it expire when he's 31 rather than 32. Sure. You can always extend him again. I, I, I guess the issue would be if he's still really good, then now you're stuck giving him the much longer deal. But that's so far in the future. I mean, it's six it, years It's a good now. problem to have overall. If he's well, if Devin Booker yeah. is that good when he's 30, you've had some strong years. And also another thing, reason to do that, that is the cap spike i don't think there'll be a spike but it'll be a gradual series of higher increases than we've seen with the new tv deal in starting in the 25 26 season this deal for him would kick in the season before that and so everything would be based on the cap in 24 25 and so with the cap going up it actually probably wouldn't be as large a percentage of the cap as you might think that it would be so i think this is going to get done the only big question is just whether he'll have a player option on the last year of that extension the last meaningful piece of business for the suns is extension negotiations with cam johnson johnson has yeah i think let's let's just save that for uh the mock rookie extensions sure. i think we can that, well, well, I think well, that's I'll, I'll say this where where that affects everything else is thinking about the sun's finances 23 and beyond because 23 that's the year that chris paul's contract is partially guaranteed and then 24 is non-guaranteed and if you know if they're looks like they're sticking with ayton and booker then cam johnson even with a rising cap could be that like a bigger deal for him whether it comes as an extension or through restricted free agency could be the thing that makes this team untenable financially whatever the line is yeah and he'll be looking for 20 million or more per season he had a great year he's uh, up there in in six man but the assumption was after the season that he could actually guard okay and he got lit up in these playoffs and that's a concern his value will be a very interesting discussion we can also just mention briefly here the wild card of the sarver investigation and that they could even potentially have new ownership going forward or that there could be a paralysis in some of the stuff they want to do or simply just green lighting more expenditures or giving away future assets so that's a possibility. I would say if you had to ask me, I don't anticipate they're going to have some other big trade to bring in a major player. I do think they're going to be relatively similar and just make some moves around the margins if I had to guess. Uh, there's also the restricted free agency right now of Aaron Holiday. I'm guessing he will not get a qualifying offer due to their tax concerns. Ish Wainwright also, he got converted very late. He got paid $8,500 in addition to what he gets on, on the two-way, but it, he'll 
be a restricted free agent. Interesting to see whether they give him a qualifying offer for $200,000 more than the minimum as well, whether they believe that they want to try to develop him. He's an interesting prospect due to his physical strength. So if he can become a little bit better of a shooter, they once found a guy who kind of looked like him in PJ Tucker and developed him. So maybe there's a thought that they'll want to bring him back as well since we're on the phs let's get to the philadelphia 76ers mr larue and on the james harden thing i think we probably have to start there just to refresh what our discussion was on him earlier i think we kind of thought you had a lower number than me but we thought if a fair contract for him would be in the range of 120 million guaranteed over however many years you wanted to do it probably over four he has that 47 million dollar player option brian windhorse reported that at least rival executives don't expect him to be offered that max which would be 250 million dollars over the next five years if he were to opt in and extend off of that but the Sixers from their perspective do have some options here so why don't we just talk about where they are if he opts into the 47 and where they would be if instead he were to sign a do basically what Chris Paul did and re-sign for starting at something around 30 million the very faint silver lining of the intensely dark cloud that is Danny Green's injury because it would have been fantastic to have green back next year is that they're not going to pick up his 10 million on guarantee for next year and that actually puts the well or if they do it'll be part of a trade uh, yeah exactly they're not going to they're not going to pay him a full 10 million dollars for next year they could you're right they could do in that context that does conceptually open up some wiggle room so even if harden opted in depending on and i think the sixers are going to keep a large portion of their non and lightly guaranteed guys shake milton paul reed charles bassey isaiah joe like maybe not all of them but keep a fair amount of those guys then they're actually a little bit under the tax preliminarily now if you use the mid-level exception and a few other things then you go over that might be close enough depending on whatever and other ancillary moves you might make to actually clear enough wiggle room under the hard cap to use the full non-taxpayer mid-level and that's also the huge sales pitch potentially for phoenix of or sorry for philly of trying to get hardened for less this coming season is that you could potentially either duck the tax pay the full non-taxpayer mid-level or both because if you get hardened for 30 instead of 47 you're probably looking at being able to use the full mid-level which is now extremely important because you have to replace Danny Green yeah if they brought Harden back for 30 million and they pick up all those guys you were talking about that leaves them with 22.6 million below the tax and 29 million below the apron and so that gives you plenty of flexibility you could use the full non-taxpayer you could use the BAE even if you wanted to or did they use that on you know Niang was partial MLE last year so they've got that available and that could maybe get you a pretty good player we could talk about which free agents they should be trying to go after however maybe the bigger deal is you could get somebody in a sign and trade now as well if you wanted to and still have plenty of room you know you could probably even get someone in a sign and trade now the problem is they don't have like a big trade exception or something like that but maybe if they included danny green and cork Maz or it opens up alternate structures for a Tobias yeah. Harris trade. Consent. Yeah, and maybe there's a team out there that wants Matisse Thibel as well. I would definitely be trying to move him if I were Philly, although I'm not sure how good his brand is at this point. Remember, he was, he was being talked about as untouchable in the Simmons trade, and that's I don't know how real that ever was, but he certainly is not, uh, shouldn't be untouchable, we'll say at this point. So all of those are, are potential avenues for them to get better. Also, if 
James Harden were to just leave, they could have $24 million in cap space. <laughs> we'll just throw that out there. I don't think that's going to happen, and there isn't anyone that they would necessarily want to go after at that point. Let's talk a little bit more, though, just generally about where these guys need to get better before we talk maybe a Harris trade or potential free agents that they should target. When you consider a foundation of Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey, who had a much, much better second season, and I'm, I'm very encouraged. I mean, if this three-point shooting is even close to real. The Sixers have are, are have some real talent on their hands in, in Maxi. You need wing defenders, guys who can who can handle different kinds of assignments because James Harden, maybe you're not going to go to a full switching system, which is generally what has worked best with Harden because you have Joel Embiid and Embiid's strengths are different than Harden's. But you want somebody with the defensive versatility to handle a lot of different assignments. And that player is going to be lower usage offensively, but needs to be capable enough that it doesn't nuke your spacing because that's the Matisse Thibel problem and numerous other things those players are hard to come by and even if they are less skilled overall that's one thing you're looking for i think they're pretty good but maybe you want a, you want one other kind of like low rotation creator i think would be great maybe you think that shake milton can step into that i might like one more guy who can you know maybe like a kind of a george hill type who can be on ball or off ball and defend multiple positions so not a premium spot but something that could really add some depth and substance to the rotation who could play with maxi play with harden but probably not with both yeah so all those things are hard to get of course this is a limited free agent class we went through it over the last couple of weeks but if they could get to the mid-level i think there are some players who could really help them and i think gary harris would be a very nice fit with this group i think tj warren if he's not going to be back in indiana would be a very nice fit with this group provided he's healthy for now he might take the full mle maybe he would just want to do a one plus one at the mle to rebuild his value nick batum seems like he probably want to be back with the clippers and they can offer him with early bird rights as much as the Sixers could just about lower end but Kyle Anderson yeah I think they'd be a little bit worried about his lack of shooting they've kind of gone through yeah, that with Thibel already but yeah just someone who least, can handle the ball can, a little bit at least he can do things offensively you know like he, he's right. gotten better at attacking closeouts and he could fulfill some of those alternate playmaker roles as well then you might yeah. not need another smaller guy you just have Kyle Anderson and they need someone else who can play with some kind of force make some kind of plays on the defensive end uh and he's kind of an analyst analytics favorite Otto Porter could fit into that uh, a little bit as well, well, well Daryl Morey's old friend Daniel House there's there's some, yeah there's I don't know if Harden there. would be too interested in that and of uh, course he's played with Harden too yeah Victor Oladipo maybe would be interesting here as well to just give you one more ball handler and also again someone who can get over some screens on the perimeter for a team that's going to be playing conventional pick and roll defense most of the time that's why I like both him and Harris for this team Harris just another guy who can play with some force hey PJ Tucker as a player option he Joel Embiid was like totally in love with him I'm sure if they wanted to give him a long enough contract they could probably prime away from Miami if they really wanted to try uh if they wanted to go Thaddeus Young as a backup center maybe that's something they could look at as well probably don't want to play him with Embiid though necessarily uh old friend Jeff Green will be available basically all these old vets 
if they have the mid-level, they should be able to outbid just about anybody for these guys. And, and I'll throw one more in, Wes Matthews. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it seems inevitable that he'll be back in Milwaukee if he does anything just due to his roots being there. I think if you offered Wes Matthews enough money and gave him a spot on a different contending team, he would be open to it. But I don't I don't know what's in his, what's in his, at 35, maybe he just wants to be where he is. I would actually maybe take a look at one of the Martin twins. Yes, just, I was going to mention that. Yeah, and this is always it's hilarious as we go through this and we probably should have spent more time on the suns and maybe what they would do with the taxpayer mle as well but they're it seems like they're gonna be trying to fry some bigger fish here and i think philly will be too potentially so there there are a lot even like a torian prince or wancho hernan gomez prince is doesn't really fit in great here because i think they want someone who can defend a little bit better hernan gomez maybe gives you a little bit more force if he's playing well he's gonna likely be waived by the jazz and like there there are some other kind of role player guys that I think I, I think Derek Jones would be a nice fit on the Sixers but you can't give him your full mid-level because of the spacing and issues there but having a forward in your rotation who can defend the hell out of different guys I'd love to have that they don't really have a traditional backup point guard I don't think they really should spend a bunch on that but DeLon Wright is also someone who could kind of fit in to give them a little bit more defensively he's not great off the ball as a shooter but I think you just particularly in just bench lineups during the regular season you just trust Harden and Embiid and Harris and Maxey to kind of just figure it out around him but just to get one more guy again this team's gonna be playing a lot of conventional pick and roll defense and so who do you have on this team that you can put on the other team's best player and not just have guys get completely wiped out I like Wright too because he gives you some help defense at the guard position same thing uh, with Harris as well another thing I might consider too could you guarantee Danny Green and trade him for Contavious Caldwell-Pope on a partial guarantee with the Wiz. I think they would probably want him back, but would you be willing to give up or, a future first-round pick to do that? Eh, or, or maybe, you know, maybe take not. on some money that the Wizards don't want on their books, you know, like a some sort of sweetener that yeah. way, or a young player that maybe interests Tommy Shepard. Yeah, but that's not really a Daryl move. A Daryl move is we're not going to trade a pick for a role player. We're going to save our picks to make the big deal. And so, to me, the biggest problem with their team right now outside of James Harden we're just gonna presume that he'll be a little bit better and they're gonna bring him back is Tobias Harris Harris a solid player probably overpaid by at least 12 13 million he's probably more of a 25 million dollar a year player for his production number one and then number two just the fit of him not really being elite offensively not he can score some but he's not really a go-to guy in the playoffs not a great passer okay spot up shooter but not enough volume that he's just a five alarm fire out there and miscast although he's tried as hard as he can and deserves credit for that miscast as your primary stopper against the likes of say Jimmy Butler or Jason Tatum or Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference there's a lot of great wing or God forbid Giannis as well so presumably they would want to make a trade for him to bring in another impact player but maybe there's a way to trade him for guys who will just be more three and D ish type of players and be able to just make your team fit better like you just when you've got Maxi and Harden 
already as guys who are starting both pretty miserable defenders you just need more defense at those other two spots and then they have to be able to shoot because uh, otherwise they're going to clog things up Thibault style for Embiid, Harden, and Maxi. and so Harris just doesn't fit what they are looking for let me ask you this Danny if you're a team that has space nobody has the space to just straight up take 37 million which is a little bit of a problem but if you're just going to take on Tobias Harris what is your price and then we can talk about whether the Sixers could potentially meet that or not but if you're going to just take him on what is your price if Harris contract were expiring this coming season the price would be much more modest because also then you could theoretically offload a contract that's probably less onerous in the immediate but has maybe a second year or something like that but Harris getting 37.6 this coming season and then 39.3 makes it hard there's a lot there's a fair amount of negative value even if Tobias Harris if you want to make the argument that he's a 20 to 24 million dollar player I think that's a it's that's on the rosy side but it's on there that's still a pretty damn good player I and also Harris is a better fit on many other teams than he is on the Sixers especially because many other teams don't have their level of aspiration so his shortcomings don't matter as much I would be looking unless I had just some heinous money that you're dealing with I would be asking for either a premium pick or a player who is the a young player who is the equivalent of a premium pick so I'm talking like lottery or right near there or two lower end picks to take that on by the time the draft rolls around the Brooklyn Nets will have elected on whether they are going to defer the pick which I believe is number 23 yes it is number 23 this year to next year or not I my suggestion to the Nets would be that they do that so that would mean Philly at the draft could trade their 2022 pick they could still do swaps in 24 and 26 and then the 2027 first that they owe to Brooklyn is top eight protected for two years, 27 and 28. So they could, in theory, trade 29. It would be first available draft. They might have to remove the protection on that Brooklyn pick, or they just have to hope that a team would accept the possibility that maybe that pick in 27 rolls over to 28, and then you can't trade 29 and it just turns into like a 29 second or something like that. Like that's, I don't know if a team would do that. They might have to just agree to remove move the protection on that first to Brooklyn or lower it enough that the team would feel pretty secure that there are very low odds that it would be kept you know lower it to at a minimum top four and maybe even you know top two or something or top one so it does make it difficult I mean I think more realistically what could be traded in terms of picks is just this year's number 23 overall that's not enough to get it done for me and Philly or you know maybe a 26 swap would be something you'd be interested in too but that's and uh, and well you know Max of course would be enough but you're not going to trade him in a deal to offload yeah i I can't think of what deal would a lot would uh be worth trading exactly so and and the other players players, paul reed and shake milton and if you're really a Jaden springer optimist we really haven't seen much from him though that's not enough of a sweetener yeah now would thibel and your 20 that 23rd pick plus harris be enough not for me but maybe for another gm who thinks more highly of thibel or who thinks more highly of tobias yeah but I, again that's they would have to be sending something back as well and i'm just not sure now maybe for okc has a bunch of cap space before the draft rolls or before the league year rolls over but then they would be in the tax if they take on tobias harris unless they made some other moves so that seems pretty unlikely that they would, would do that as well because okc has a bunch of new stuff coming out of the books this year shay's extension highest, shay's highest extension. and and that's a real problem for for daryl Morey is the partially because some teams are better run right now and partially because there aren't franchises with flexibility burning a hole in their pocket 
there are only, you know, between four and six teams that are going to have cap space this year. And then roughly half the league is going to be have enough money that it's hard to do a sign trade. Not that this would be one, but just you, you think about like who's going to be amenable to a Tobias Harris type of deal. And it's pretty slim pickings, you know, they're the and the teams that you could see as being kind of like mistakenly short sighted, like the Sacramento Kings. I don't think that Monty McNair is going to be juiced with Tobias Harris. I don't think that's something that that he's going to do. Maybe if the Pacers did a retool, like they could, I mean, then they have Buddy Heald's money. Heald overlaps more yeah. with Indiana's current roster than Tobias Harris would. Like if you brought, if, if they theoretically made a deal involving Heald and Tobias Harris, that could either involve cap space or you get enough matching salary to make it work. Then they could potentially have a starting five of Brogdon or Brogdon or Duarte alongside Halliburton, TJ Warren, Tobias Harris, and Miles Turner. I think that's a playoff team. Sure. Yeah. But, or, you know, I don't think the Sixers would be interested in Brogdon in that scenario either. I think really a lot of their offseason now, Danny, is just going to come down to whether they can get Harden's salary low enough to use the mid-level. And if they can't, then it becomes more of an imperative to move Harris. Maybe they just hold on to Harris for now and maybe it becomes easier to trade him at some future point or maybe you don't even necessarily close with him all the time if you have another guy who's a better defender there um because if they could get hard and low enough you could trade green to get one three and d type of guy and then use the mid-level to get another you could actually probably fit all of that under the apron or maybe not the entire full mid-level and there they could also get off of say thigh bowl in, in a trade like that as well to open up a little bit more space so maybe that's something that they could do is try to use that extra room under the apron if Harden agrees to say 30 million a year which that's a big gift by the way too I mean he may just decide he wants to opt into 47 million and that would maybe be save them from some long-term pain but make things a lot more difficult in the short term they could still do the green trade even if Harden opts in then the apron and then they would just only have the tax pyramid level or maybe just it would be too expensive to even use that what else do we need to talk about for these guys I, I have one more trade concept to run by you great Mark Cuban has already talked about how the Mavericks will probably be in luxury tax hell next year that presumes that Jalen Brunson returns. Dallas is one of the few teams that has a fair amount of money extending beyond this coming season that is negative value to some flavor, and that would be Tim Hardaway Jr., and then potentially you could incorporate Davis Bertans or Dwight Powell in the deal. I would, of course, prefer as the Mavericks to include Davis Bertans because he has two more guaranteed seasons and Dwight Powell fills a role for them, and they've liked Dwight Powell a lot over the years. Tim Hardaway Jr. is much cheaper than Tobias Harris. So I think from the Mavericks perspective, the idea is, is Harris enough of an upgrade with the positional size and some kind of some of that kind of secondary playmaking that could actually fit in well in some of these units? Does that intrigue you as Dallas to save Philly some money and potentially upgrade? So you're just talking straight up Hardaway for... Let's say Hardaway and you, probably fill, you probably fill with Bertans, not with Dwight Powell, because for the Mavs, you're taking on so much money otherwise for 20 324 yeah you need that to match too I, I don't think tobias harris does it for me you've already you've got dinwiddie and brunson i don't think that those guys or that harris is a better more interesting guy to put the ball in his hands than them he doesn't really fit into what you're trying to do defensively he's not eh, i think he fits in better than hardaway jr does personally yeah but it's just it's so hard to move that contract i think and moreover if i'm philly harris probably helps me more than hardaway jr and bertans yeah, or I, I, would, I would do that deal as dallas and not do it as that if i were general manager yeah no i, I think that's reasonable it's an interesting thought though you know dallas's offseason will also like there, there just aren't that many teams 
teams that are in a circumstance where a Tobias Harris trade makes sense. And this could be, I've always used the Serge, uh, like a Serge Ibaka trade is the idea here with Rob Hennigan, where it was just like the trade, it made no sense that they were went after him, but they did anyway. And Daryl Morey, talking to every general manager in the league is how you find a deal like that, a team that overvalues him, that sees things a little bit differently. And that is the Sixers' best path to offloading Harris is another team making a mistake. Yeah, and perhaps Sacramento, Harrison Barnes, that could be a, a possible framework. Sacramento has a, a fair amount of space below the tax, and you know they could throw in Justin Holiday as well. You know, maybe Harris for Barnes and Holiday again. If Sacramento were to overvalue Tobias Harris. Barnes to me isn't that good defensively he may not even be much of an upgrade on Harris at this point defensively but I think he's just got a, a little bit more of a complimentary game and Holiday is actually someone who I think could really help them just as an on-ball defender as well but yeah it's gonna be I, I think the Harden so much just depends on what level of flexibility they're gonna have with this Harden deal the the other thing just to put it we we've danced around it a few times but bears repeating is that part of the reason why that the Harden money in 20 223 matters so much is because we don't know how wide the window for Philly as a title contender is. And I had, you know, I wrote this piece for the Athletic talking about hardened scenarios. And my favorite one of those was having, you know, you agree to the money basically and instead have Harden opt in and then go way lower. So whether he takes 30 million a year or 25 million a year overall or whatever, and you drop it down, the sales pitch there is Philly's books get a lot cleaner after 22-23 in that circumstance. But how viable is Philly as a championship contender? You know, like where Joel Embiid's body, he had thankfully had a very durable overall year and dealt with some stuff later, but that seemed awfully fluky. And but James Harden's place in all of this and what the ascendance potentially continuing for Tyrese Maxey and everything else. And so you need to do what you can to maximize the present because you don't know how long you have. Speaking of maximizing the present, let's turn to the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh boy. And the Bucks are in sort of a similar boat to the Phoenix Suns in terms of the overall finances. So if you let go of their non-guarantees, Rajon Tucker, Luca Vildoza, those guys were both late season signings, non-guaranteed, and maybe they bring them back if they if John Horst thinks they can play, give them a roster spot. If you, and this is just as a rough proxy, and I think it's good to kind of get an idea of where the Bucks are. If you theoretically had Connaughton, Bobby Portis, and Thanasa Santacumpo, opt-in plus Jordan Nwora and you fill out the roster, the Bucks are in the like 10 to 15 million over the tax range. So actually very similar to what we talked about with Aiton at the, at Aiton at his max, like they're at that level. And to their credit, Bucks ownership was more willing to pay the tax than we expected them to be. We, I didn't love how they chose to spend that money, but they were. And the Bucks are definitely a championship contender and won it last year and were firmly in the mix this year. I'm concerned though, because that that's how their finances are now. And the history of these circumstances is that players like Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis, lesser extent than Osses, who have player options, the history there is that they wield enough leverage that they will opt out and get more money, which is great for them. But then the finances get tougher for the Bucks, and probably not, you're probably choosing those guys over the taxpayer mid-level exception. And potentially, there aren't that many ways for the Bucks to really cut salary because almost everybody they pay actually plays for them. So are they willing to go 15 million in to largely keep the team together, 15 to 20 million in to keep the team together for another year? Well, they were $23 million into the tax 
this year and paid over $56 million in tax. To ownership's credit, absolutely. Sure. Now, it may not be to management's credit that they got as little out of it as they did. Although, let's remember, they had $36 million sitting on the sidelines in the Eastern Conference semifinals. But you've got here $9.4 million for Grayson Allen next year and the year after. George Hill, $4 million. So that's $13 million. That's kind of tough to justify given those guys' playoff performances. And but you you're never going to be perfect. But you need an innings eater if it's not Grayson Allen. And I don't think you can get somebody for the minimum, personally, even if he's not yeah. much of a playoff player. Yeah. I mean, it, like, I, I don't even know that Grayson Allen is that overpaid for 9.4 when you consider his shooting ability and he's got some driving ability. He had a good no, regular I th- I season. Think he's, I think he's reasonably paid, if not, maybe even slightly yeah. under. But he's overpaid for this team. Yes. Because you're just using resources on him that are really finite and you want to use a $10 million salary slot. And that's the full mid-level exception, basically. You want to use that salary slot on someone who's hopefully going to be a positive contributor in your top six or seven. And and the Bucs need, they don't have a player, a fifth guy for that closing five. And if Brooke Lopez, they're not comfortable with him in certain affiliations, then they need two more. And so using 10 million on him, using 4 million on George Hill, and neither of those guys has a real shot to being in your closing five in a high level series you have to deal with that well so i mean here's another thing too danny and just to think about it they have six players under contract for next year as of right now and they're already as you mentioned basically right at the tax just with those six guys and so you talked about 15 million in they've got the 24th pick in the draft that we could talk about trade possibilities for that but they've also got just roster slots that need to be taken up even let's say you bring back Connaughton, you bring back Portis, then just that's still only nine roster slots. So you got to get to 15 and you're, or at least 14, which it'll probably be frankly. And so then throw in another close to $10 million just to fill out the roster. And in addition to, and then if you wanted to use the taxpayer MLE, you throw in more than that as well. So they're, they're going to be in it more next year than they were this year. And they've got raises for guys like, uh, holiday and Middleton it's going to be a really expensive team and that's without even that's if they bring everyone back from this year that's without even starting to say how are we going to get better next year which they need to they they were a very thin team this year and not as versatile as they need Chris Middleton's injury made things worse but it was a problem for the Bucks even beforehand and a choice that John Horst is going to have to make is you know I have talked about how the player options for Connaughton and Portis historically those players gain a lot of leverage it is very difficult for the Bucks to replace them and one thought experiment to do is how well do we think the Milwaukee Bucks would fare if what they have to replace either Connaughton or Bobby Portis is the if they were willing to spend a $6.4 million taxpayer MLE and what can that get you as a team that is good enough that you would generate a better quality of player than average for that spot can you replace Bobby Portis or Pat Connaughton with somebody you can reasonably get for that money I mean ideally you'd bring both of them back and use your taxpayer Emily. I'm just not uh, sure ideally, if that's financially ideally. realistic. But but let's say okay, let's let's pretend that your choice is one of the two. And I for me it would be Portis just because Connaughton can 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 do some things defensively, and Portis was important to the championship run. But what do we think? Just to to calibrate here, six point four million. What does that get you? Can that get you a player who's in your closing five? My answer to that with this free 
freshman class would be no. Maybe some who well, would have a- uh, All right. So I think it just kind of depends what kind of a destination they are and whether in that same group of guys we are just talking about with Philly, maybe there aren't teams that have the non-taxpayer MLE and they're just in this group of teams that are trying to use the taxpayer MLE and maybe teams pick them or, or players pick them over the Nets or over the Clippers. So like, especially so because like Gary, they have a more Gary clear Harris role. Is like somebody that you think would qualify there? I'm sorry? Like Gary Harris? Yeah, I mean, he's a possibility. Someone like Otto Porter, I mean, all these same guys we're talking about. Batum, I mean, probably not. I don't see him wanting to go to Milwaukee necessarily. Jeff Green, maybe. So they probably don't have as many options as Philly would with the non-taxpayer if they can get to that. Maybe Oladipo, depending on what his options are. Although you imagine Miami with full bird rights would offer him more than that. But maybe there's just more of a role for him in Milwaukee. I mean, I think that's the thing is they can offer a bigger role than some of these other teams. You had Wes Matthews coming in and starting on a minimum contract halfway through the year. So, I mean, the history has been that the Bucks haven't gotten really these type of free agents other than Wes Matthews, who has his local ties. When they've gone to these minimum options, there isn't anyone veteran ring chaser who has chosen them over other places where they had options necessarily. Maybe that will change, but I'd probably not. I don't know if you want to count on that necessarily. And, and it, it, it sucks for the Bucks that they're, if for like theoretically the taxpayer involved, there isn't even like the 2022 Marvin Williams equivalent really on the market that I think is available for that kind of cash. Yeah. And there'll always be guys on the buyout market and they, they can make trades as well. They have this 24th pick. I certainly would be looking if I were them to try to aggregate Allen and Hill together, particularly Hill, because I think at, at four million he's just not at the level they needed him to be as a playoff contributor. And yeah, he was coming off the injury, but he's also pretty old and has had two playoffs in a row now where he's been totally ineffective. So if you could put Allen and Hill together, and maybe if they trade Grayson Allen and use that matching salary, because they don't have any other matching salary other than Lopez, maybe that was part of the thinking of extending Allen is that you can trade him. So twenty fourth pick, Allen. George Hill is that a move that you can make for a player there'll be other teams obviously out there with similar packages maybe offering future picks the Suns kind of have that same thing they've got dead money but the Suns can offer multiple picks into the future so maybe there's just a trade they can make for a more switchable three and d sort of guy in the last year of his deal I'm not sure precisely who that would be but that general framework could be interesting and you know could they acquire Eric Gordon for that package Danny that would be interesting wouldn't it hmm. I it's I think that would it, add more to their bill but Gordon would be a nice yeah fit. they would have to throw in maybe a little bit more salary uh it might not even be able to get there actually. I, I do like Eric Gordon on the Bucks though if that's the yeah what is Gordon making that might not quite be illegal yeah, Gordon's 19.6 million for next year and then non-guaranteed for 23-24 but that's immaterial yes that's pretty close but not quite there and yeah i mean but but they could guarantee luca vildoza and rajon tucker and probably get there or even just wait to sign that draft pick so that they could get there that that would be interesting to have eric gordon on this team i think that would be very interesting in fact that's something i would consider quite a bit as, as the bucks it, and houston's been looking for a first for him what what now, about does houston want that second year grayson allen what about malik beasley hmm. little less money pretty similar structure though technically Beasley's last year is a team option rather than I, I don't think Beasley can guard well enough I don't think I would be interested in him I, I like Gordon because he's tough in a way that Beasley is I think Beasley will just be not quite as bad of a target as Grayson Allen but still a target also Grayson Allen D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns being on the same team would be kind of incredible defensively <laughs> 
Well, maybe D'Angelo Russell wants to be on that team. We'll get we there later. Get that. We will get to that later. But that's, uh, again, the sort of thing that I would be potentially looking to do. Let's talk about potentially re-signing Connaughton and Bobby Portis. Connaughton, to me, I think deserves like a little bit of a raise. He's improved his three-point shooting. I like him. I think he's he should opt out and they should give him a three-year deal for $20 million. I think that seems totally reasonable. But th- he may have other offers instead. I don't, I don't see a team going full mid-level on Pat Connaughton, though, particularly not for a, a number of years. Yeah, and, How old is Pat Connaughton? Connaughton, this will be his age 30 season. And Ooh, yeah, it's older than I thought. Yeah, it took so. him, it took him a little while. He, I think he was in college a little longer. And Connaughton, yeah. he made 40% on eight threes per 36 minutes this year. That's very, very yeah, good. That's good. And he's conti- consistently improved there. Portis, such an important part of that championship run. Bobby Buckets is, of course, beloved in Yeah, I, I don't know how important he was, but, honestly. But the, I mean, he had, <laughs> he had some he, moments. He was out there. He did stuff. He also yeah. didn't play it all in the net series. He I, didn't play it all in the net series. And then 51% true shooting for Portis in the playoffs this year and down a little bit in efficiency in the regular season as well, largely he, because... He was a liability to me in the Celtics series. I agree. And so and, he's a good player in the regular season. He shoots 40% for three, gets some offensive rebounds, but just having to hard hedge every single screen that he's involved in that's a liability and he's also just not quite good enough offensively to really punish mismatches and he's was passing up some shots i thought in the celtic series from three as well i i just don't think that like yeah he's a decent player but if you're and if you're willing to just spend go ahead right you have bird rights on him my concern also is that they kind of there's a little wink and a nod here of what kind of contract he was going to get when he signed that one plus one for the max raise that they could give him off of that BAE salary from last year. And so I'm just scared that they're going to get Mark Bartlestein and have to pay him like $10 million a year and that they've kind of already agreed to do that. And that, that that's going to affect some of the other stuff that they can do. I mean, just having again, 20 million or more tied up in Allen Hill and Portis of just guys who to me are, yeah, okay. You could play them because there's nobody else, but guys that you have to constantly scheme around around their weaknesses in high-level series. Right. So, so the way I would order this were the Bucks to have to make a choice, and they have sufficient bird rights that they, it might not have to. I would rather have Connaughton than the taxpayer mid-level, but I'd rather have the taxpayer mid-level than Bobby Portis on the contract I expect him to get. Or Bobby Portis for the yeah. taxpayer mid-level. Being honest. Well, yeah, and, and we'll see because the taxpayer mid-level is theoretical. We saw a lot of teams in last year's free agency have the taxpayer mid-level and just be like, you know what? There isn't anyone actually worth spending this on like the warriors didn't spend theirs blazers didn't spend theirs clippers didn't spend theirs it was really only the nets among these teams i'm trying to remember who else used the full tax pyramid level denver got jeff green i don't know if it was a tax pyramid level but they were around that level of contract for a guy to get but it really to spend the tax pyramid level that means you're in the tax it costs you a lot of money it does and so if you're at that point is there someone who's just worth you know 25 million dollars in cash as an upgrade over what you'd have to pay for just a minimum guy maybe there isn't particularly in milwaukee where a lot of these guys are just kind of coming as just lifestyle choices essentially theoretically the milwaukee bucks have early bird rights on serge Ibaka. he would have to look a lot better physically considering he wasn't a really a part of things for them i understood the gamble yeah. because a, a theoretical even close to full strength Ibaka would have given them a dimension 
Well, well the, the problem was they just needed insurance for Lopez. Right. And then Lopez but, ended up. But clearly having more on the wing would have been better in the end. But the, yeah, they just needed something there if Brooke Lopez was going to be able to play. Exactly. And so they could theoretically, like they have sufficient bird rights to bring Ibaka back. We don't know what Ibaka wants. We don't know how good his back is going to look at that juncture. But I wanted to mention that. And then they have non-bird rights on Wes Matthews. They could also dip into, if he wanted more than that, more than that non-bird raise, the 120%, they could theoretically dip into the taxpayer mid-level for that, but that gets way more expensive. For the Bucks and Milwaukee, yeah, I mean, they would love to give Wes Matthews a veteran's minimum because then the league subsidizes a significant portion of it. But if they give him 120% raise, the Bucks pay the whole damn thing. Let's talk, too, about what they can trade. They've got the 24th pick they can trade once the draft comes along. 23 is gone to Houston from the P.J. Tucker deal. 24 is a swap to the Pels from the holiday deal. 25 is gone to the Pels, probably the Blazers. 26 is a swap to the Pels. 27 is gone to the Pels from the holiday trade. Great trade, by the way. Way way better than I thought it was in the beginning, but because they kept Giannis, it's uh, looking like it's not going to be as bad. So they, they could still be able to trade a swap in 28, or they could trade their 29 pick, and because the first isn't protected in 27, they have the full ability to trade whatever they want of that 29 pick. So they could, in, in theory, offer 22 and 29 first round picks attached to Allen and Hill or potentially even Brooke Lopez to try to bring somebody else in and so that gets you to kind of the same situation we were talking about maybe with Phoenix get you into that same sort of market with and Allen I think is not as bad a salary maybe as some of the guys that Phoenix is trying to move so that they could maybe swing a deal to get another three and D switchable type of starter in as well I would much prefer that as a way to use their capital to get somebody who's potentially viable in their closing five than of than retaining Bobby Portis and some of the other stuff even with the asset cost personally all right well that will do it for today three very interesting teams and I'm really fascinated to see which of these teams is going to be able to upgrade with a quality starter they're all looking for basically the same type of player there's always a lot of competition for these sorts of guys and particularly these three teams are kind of all flawed in the same ways less so Phoenix but certainly Philly and Milwaukee in terms of just needing that quality three and D type of contributor we'll be back tonight to talk heat and Celtics and hopefully you'll join us on playback for that as well link is in the show notes talk soon